Welcome to the Pin Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Belcher alongside Nick Briggs. Well, not alongside, but uh, you get the idea. Uh, Briggsy, uh, how's it going here? We're a week, more than a week into January. Only uh, six weeks away from the state tournament. That sounds weird for preps and, uh, you know, uh, less than two months away from conference and uh, tournaments for Division One, and and just about two months away from national tournaments. Actually, seems like it's gone by really fast. Yeah. So the uh, with the with the state tournament, you, you back that up three weeks. You know, to include or two weeks anyway to include districts and sectionals. So your tournament time is going to be going and about a month i would you know i guess right so um yeah that's it's it's getting to be crunch time for the for the preps or close to crunch time for the preps and uh so so this this time of year you know you've got some guys that have cut down on the prep side and on the college side actually that their descent plan probably allowed them to finally get down to their maybe their desirable weight um, and some are they're playing around like you mentioned Wyatt volker uh earlier uh this week and uh you know who knows where he's going to land. I don't know if it matters that much, really, but but that those types of sort of things are going on. Yeah. So uh, let's start with uh, the college action uh, uh, this week. It was a big weekend for uh, debuts in the college level. Um, you're looking at uh, Nick Suriano stepped in at Michigan. Uh, Drew Hildebrandt at uh, uh, Penn State. Uh, of course, Iowa had Drake Ayala um, make all his that. official debut and Michael Kimmerer. Right. Uh, all, those first three all at 125. So 125 weakened when Lee got out, and then all of a sudden, kabam. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no surprise that Ayala, um, you know, made his debut. Uh, I, I was maybe a little surprised that they had him wrestle against McKee uh, on Friday. Uh, wasn't surprised about Sunday. Um, but, uh, you know, it was the third time him and McKee wrestled in, in the last month. McKee uh, was another victory, 8-6 to six this time. But uh, overall, I think it was a great, uh, great weekend. Uh, and I, I am I can walk away this, from this weekend. I think feeling good, even though he lost to McKean, and that's not, you know, that's not what they wanted, but he was one move away from winning that. I mean, he really, in my opinion, out-wrestled him except for the takedown when he held on a little too long and went to his back for two. Uh, you know, that's probably a freshman mistake. And, uh, you know, he has such a great left-handed snap down. And, and, and uh, that being said, I mean, he, he scored that first one with that and then, couldn't score epic, you know, because McKee adjusted. And then, uh, but he's going to have to have something that's, that complements that. So, because he kept going back to that, well, it wasn't there. And uh, McKee was defending it. So now we've got to get that complimentary move that gets him thinking over here while he attacks down here, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, yep. uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, Tom Brand said, and this, you know, just comes, maybe it was just the, the situation being in Carver, you know, for the first time, maybe it's just simply a freshman mistake. He mentioned, you know, he, 
had the pressure on the key, gets a stalling call. They come back to the center, and he said, you know, Trey comes back, hands on his knees, and right off the whistle, McKee, who's a little more experienced, recognized that, hit him with the blast double that led to that uh, that extra two near fall, too, that you were mentioning, holding on. And uh, that's the difference in the match right there. Right. Um, yep, when you cut when you- Stuff you can correct. I mean, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, he 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 should know that. But it's it, it just I means he's, he's been such a quality high school wrestler, prep wrestler that you know. And you get to that college level, now you're stepping up, and every match is going to be like that. But you know, when you when the guy's down by a point or two, and you're coming back to the middle, and you put that foot on that line, you've got to be ready to either attack or defend. But you got to be ready to wrestle for sure, and, and uh, not to, to say that he wasn't, but that's that was the turning point in the match. So, yeah, it definitely was. Um, and then Sunday against uh, uh, Devin Schroeder, who uh, Lee beat in the conference finals last year. Uh, I thought uh, you saw even even a big improvement from. Friday night with the way that he wrestled. Of course, I think the matchup was a little more favorable. I don't think Schroeder's is physical and stuff on their feet, and as long as you can stay out from underneath. And uh, Ayala was able to do that and, you know, show, show things just within a couple of days. Right. And, you know, and that's what rankings are kind of do for a person on the, on the plus side. Here, here we, you know, uh, Drake beat the number fifth ranked kid. And, uh, you know, now he's walking away feeling good about that one. And, you know, so, you know, who knows if he's the fifth ranked kid or the fifth best kid or not, we'll find out in, in March, but, but, uh, you know, that's, that's where those come into play. And yeah, that, he had a good, good match for sure. And, and, uh, you know, didn't wrestle bad on Friday, not at all wrestled, I think really well. And then, uh, equally as, as good on Sunday. Uh, Iowa. Uh, beat Minnesota 22-10. Wasn't necessarily a great uh, showing from top to bottom. Um, you know, a little sluggish. Uh, you know, Marinelli, a guy that you would figure maybe you'd get bonus points against, uh, you know, gets a one-point win. Cameron, his debut, looked good, um, but still only a, a decision there of 174. Of course, that turned around for him on Sunday as well. But, um, you know, DeSanto, Ironman, um, with decisions, uh, they just looked like they they weren't – they didn't have quite the same energy. And that turned around for for Sunday, though. Right. And, and, uh, you know, this is my honest gut feeling. You know, this is kind of an observation, I guess. Uh, And that is, you know, the, the expectations for the Iowa wrestlers from the coaches, from the wrestlers, from the fans, is that you destroy your opponent. You don't win by one or two points. And there's been a, a lot of matches this in, in December and early January now that that they have had close outcomes. And it, whether they've won or even lost a couple of close ones, you know, and that now is the time to be separating and really putting the pressure on because you can build your confidence and destroy your opponent's confidence for future matches. And, you know, there's guys that are, you know, when you wrestle the, the kids you're wrestling, obviously that's going to be effect, uh, effective, but 
you know, let's face it. Wrestlers look online and see how the Iowa wrestlers did or how their opponent, future opponents are, you know, did again, you know, they kind of compare that. So um, you can, you can really get to your future opponents by beating your current opponent. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Big. So, you know, that, I, and I like to see, and I know a lot of the coaches and fans and, and obviously the wrestlers too, want to step it up and, and uh, try and make that separation and get to those bonus point wins. You know, the, the one I thought on Friday that I thought wrestled uh, really well, I thought was Abe Assad. I thought we saw a little bit more uh, uh, aggressiveness. And I don't know exactly, uh, you know, how good the skillings kid is from Minnesota. But Abe Assad was the one that I thought was uh, maybe at the front end of Iowa's performance there with what he was able to do with a major decision at 184. I thought the same thing. I thought, I don't know how strong the opponent is, but I really loved Assad's low-level attacks? I think he had, oh, I want to say four or five takedowns in that uh, uh, in that match. And, and like you said, they were, they were strong, you know, sweep singles, um, a, varied, uh, a varied offense uh, from him. Yep. You know, a lot, lot going on there. And that, that was good. So I thought it, that's a nice addition now to the – to the lineup, along with uh, Kemmerer and, and uh, of course, uh, Ayala. You know, at 174, uh, they uh, removed the uh, red shirt on Swafford, and uh, and I think for all intents and purposes that they were expecting Swafford to be the guy, and, and Kemmerer ends up being ready to go and, and wrestling Friday and Saturday. I mean, I know – they're going to need Swafford because of depth anyway. Um, you know, if, if Brands is going to be out for the season. Um, but, uh, you know, do you, you know, do you kind of agree with that move with, uh, you know, removing some of these shirt and, you know, I've been giving this a little bit of thought because last, uh, last week on our podcast, I almost mentioned, I don't understand why, Swafford took his, his red shirt off at the scuffle. Right. And so then I'm also thinking, where did that stem from? You know, Swafford has to take control of his own red shirt. And so did he say, yeah, well, you know, we're going to wrestle. Was he told that he was going to be, you know, wrestle sometime in the future? And if so, you know, now I can take my red shirt off. Then I can, you know, not have to pay and find my own way down to the scuffle. And and uh, I can wear the Iowa uniform, but on the other hand, gosh, you know, to me, I think it's more, it just makes more sense to pull that red shirt off when you're actually in a dual, you know, situa- situation, not in a, an open tournament. So I, that just kind of made me wonder. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, if, I'm not saying there should be blame or anything, but, but that, you know, they're, um, you got to take control of your own red shirt. And then I don't know what the communication was. So maybe there's a breakdown in communication as well from coach to athlete or from Kemmer to coach or from Kemmer to, to Swafford. And, and I think you're right. He's going to see some matches down the road. Uh, you know, that sh- shoulder seems a little bit iffy. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the one other thing too, uh, uh, from the Minnesota duel that, that really stood out and, 
um, I think a lot of people have addressed it was uh, Gable Stevenson uh, with, a, with a big win, I think 17-7 over uh, uh, Tony Cassiope. Uh, at the end of the match, the Iowa crowd uh, stood up and, and gave him a standing ovation. Um, you know, I'm sure you've probably seen that moment or heard about it. You know, what are your thoughts about uh, something like that with, you know, uh, an athlete like Stevenson really kind of getting the, uh, maybe the, the response that he deserves uh, as an Olympic champ and NCAA champ? Uh, first of all, with, with, um, with Stevenson, I'm going to say this right now. That guy is incredible. He's the best heavyweight I've ever seen. He's so athletic, so strong, so powerful. It's like he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. Yeah. I I mean, there there was a time there where, uh, you know, he made like a just a far-reaching leg snatch and then dropped Cassiope down on his hip and and got a takedown. And it's like, he, he made it look so easy and, and effortless. And it's like, you're doing that against an All-American heavyweight that's, uh, you know, I, I think Cassiope's down to about 240, but still he does that regardless of size. And, uh, I mean, it's just not supposed to be like that. Exactly. Yeah. It makes me wonder why Kyle Snyder and Jaden Cox, the Matrix, right, uh, aren't up there training with him. <laughs> Yeah, he's around and wrestling for you know just a few more months. Yeah, he's he's just he's definitely a generational talent, and I know there are, I know there are big uh, expectations for him, um, but I think you've even seen the evolution in the last couple of years um, of, of just how he's grown and and taken that next step from you know when Anthony Kassar, uh when he faced Kassar uh, a couple of years ago in, in those matches. Right. With, with Stevenson, uh, man, he's so fun to watch. And uh, the uh, uh, standing ovation, I can, I was thinking of one other time that I saw something similar to that. And it was at the national tournament. You can tell me the year, the year that Mark Ryland won it. And a, and a wrestler from, uh, was he from, Washington or Oregon, somewhere up there. Dan, Portland State. Portland State. Thank you. And he, the, like Dan, and what was his last name? Jeez, I'm Russell or four-time national champ at the D2 level. And of course, that was back at the time where the D2 and D3 champions uh, qualified for the uh, a D1 national tournament as well. Uh, it was a two-time All-American at the D1 level, placing fourth and. You mentioned that uh, the last time you saw an ovation like uh, what Stevenson got uh, came then. Right. It was, and he is such a likable guy. He was, he, I mean, the guy, he it basically won over the entire Carver Hawkeye arena. He, I mean, every team, every school, including Iowa, when, when he was wrestling <laughs> Ryland, you know, and, and uh, you know, Ryland beat him, but, but they still just gave him such a, a, a neat ovation. And that, that's another one that reminds me of, you know, of Iowa, the Iowa Carver Hawkeye, uh, you know, extending their warmth to, and that, and that magnitude towards a, a, an opponent. 
And of course, uh, a lot of people uh, already know that he was named after Dan Gable. His name's Gable Dan, I believe. Um, you know, there is a picture in the tunnel between that had him and Dan Gable together. I mean, that was a pretty special moment, even with Randy Lewis uh, kind of lurking in the background as well. I noticed that Lewis was back there as well. That looked kind of funny. But uh, that's not the first time those guys have had their picture taken together. They've, they've done it, you know, as, as uh, Stevenson was uh, growing, growing up, coming up, you know, in the youth ranks. And, and uh, so it's been kind of fun to see those pictures for sure when those two are together. Uh, and then speaking of uh, Sunday, just moving on to the Purdue uh, duel, um, Iowa's performance looked a lot better, a lot crisper, a lot sharper. They won nine out of ten uh, uh, matches there. The only one uh, they didn't was at 133, and Austin Santo uh, uh, took the day off, according to Tom Brands. Um, no issues or, or anything like that, he says. Um, but, uh, you know, they just looked more energetic, more more crisp. We already talked about Ayala. Uh, you know, Marinelli looked good. Twenty-two to seven technical fall there. Um, you know, Max Murin with a, a major decision. Uh, Kemmerer with a seventeen to one tech as well at seventy-four. It just seemed like uh, everybody except for maybe Ironman looked a little crisper and stronger. I would agree with that. And the scores indicate that for sure. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, with DeSanto, I can only guess I'm, you know, it's a Friday to Sunday uh, turnaround. So maybe weight was an issue. Maybe just, I need a rest sort of thing. Who knows, but you know, that's all right. Cause you know, the rest of the team stepped up big time and, and, uh, you know, it wasn't even close. And that's a, a, a team that had just beaten Nebraska. Am I correct on that? Uh, on Friday, yeah, 15 on Friday. Yeah. So, um, so that's, you know, that's a nice team and, and probably the strongest showing for Iowa here in at least in a, a few meets uh, this season. So if not the strongest yet. Yeah. And, that, and that's a, you bring up a, a good point uh, with Purdue. Um, they're seven and two. Uh, their two losses coming to Iowa and of course to uh, Iowa State at Humboldt. Um, but, uh, you know, Purdue's got a strong strong dual team really when you look at it yes they performed well and not so well on sunday <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's right and of course uh you know uh iowa um i think uh only gave up one takedown in the nine matches that they won that was to uh uh heifer or not heifer Sorry, uh, Ironman um, gave up uh, a takedown there, but um, the rest of the matches uh, they had they ended up with a twenty-seven to four advantage when it came to uh, takedown. So they definitely got things kind of ironed out or turned around in between uh, a couple days there. Right. And it's not like they had to do a whole lot. It's just, you know, I mean, that's a, an experienced, talented Iowa lineup. 
I mean, even probably the youngest guy is Assad, right? Uh, well, uh, I, I, yeah, Ayala. But, but uh, um, after that, then Assad, who's spent, this is his third year on varsity, I think, at least partially. So, um, so it's an experienced team. So it's not like they had to do a whole lot. It's more of a mindset to just get out there and, and perform sort of a thing. So I think they're probably anxious after Friday to, to try and, you know, right the ship a little bit. I don't think Coach Brands was very excited about Friday's victory. No, no. Um, hey, just to backtrack really quick, I uh, decided to look up um, that uh, 1991 bracket. Uh, Dan Russell was the number one seed at the D1 tournament. Uh, his first win was over Brian Woods of Michigan State. Then he beat uh, Fortnick, Chris Fortnick of, uh, of North Carolina State. Any guesses on who his uh, quarterfinal match was against? It wasn't Ryland. That was semis. Okay, um, I don't know. He uh, he wrestled for Oklahoma State and uh, later became uh, Hawkeye. Um. Uh, well, did Perry ever wrestle for my? Uh, let's see. Would be. Um, oh, not Crazy Ray. Yes. Crazy Ray Brinzer. Yeah. All right. In the quarters. That was uh, Brinzer's freshman year. He was the eighth seed. Ryland was the fourth seed. Uh, beat Russell five to four. Uh, so uh, it was just a one point match there. And of course, we know how the finals worked out. Uh, Russell uh, came back to wrestle for third and ended up. Uh, Losing that uh, that final match, that third place match to Charlie Jones of Purdue, who I think might have been a national champ the following year. How about that? Yeah, Brinzer. I mean, he just he was a fabulous wrestler. So losing by a point to Brinzer is no. I mean, obviously when you're number one seed, you don't want to lose at all. But but uh, you know that's nothing to get too you know to down about it. Uh, so. Uh, Anyway, the, the Purdue duel, um, you know, we, we saw I, – I got to talk to Tony Ursland beforehand. He kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, they've been battling injuries and, and kind of illness a little bit. Same thing he said Nebraska kind of had the same thing going around. Uh, just about everybody's dealing with it. Uh, Kendall Coleman did not wrestle at 157. Um you know, but that was pretty much uh, that was just about the only real starter that they were missing. We already mentioned DeSanto uh, didn't wrestle at 133, and Jesse Ibarra moved up um, there. Uh, you know, we saw the return of Max Lyon, too. Ibasad uh, uh, came away with a 6-3 win, but, uh, you know, Max Lyon ranked 23rd, and in his final year, seems to uh, be trying to think I read Tim O'Neill's, uh, uh, article in the, uh, Dubuque Telegraph Herald that, uh, Lions trying to make the most of this, uh, last go around, uh, here for the boiler. Yeah, I mean, we know Max, he's a, he's a good, good guy. I guess we knew him as a kid. Now he's a good, good guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he had a tough trip, uh, West. He, I don't. Th I think he lost also at uh, 
against um, Nebraska as well. So it was a tough road trip for him. Um, you know, in, ter in terms of lineups being hit, I think we're going to see more of that. And, and uh, we saw it this week, this past week, uh, Thursday and Friday at the national duels, but you're going to see lineups that are just going to be, it's going to be, it, it, this is the year that it's going to, it's going to be not just the top 10. It's going to go deep into the lineup and pretty much every weight maybe. Uh, and uh, to just, you know, to see where you're at, you know, uh, um, you know with, with the more so on the college side than the high school side, but with COVID still lurking around, you know, and, and college being tested three times a week or better, they're going to find someone here that's, you know, that's positive somewhere along the way, I'm sure. Um, in, in high school, it's more of an honor system. You don't have to test three times a week. They could, no way you could afford that, right? So, um, you know, so you won't see it as much on high school, the high school level. But so those things are going to happen. You know, obviously the injury things happen every year. But with COVID, you're just, who knows, like, like we saw, you know, at the national duels with, with co college, you know, I'm not sure what all that was about, but, but uh, they had a fragmented lineup. We had nine teams that weren't even there, including Loris and, and, and Wartburg. So those things are going to happen this year, KJ. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, Max Lyon actually, uh, beat Taylor Venn seven to two on Friday. Oh, he uh, did? Against Nebraska. So, um, what? Remember, did he lose against Iowa State? Maybe it's the, it's the Iowa trips. I think it was Iowa State. I think maybe. it was the Iowa trip. Yeah. Ah, so, yeah, yeah I think Coleman uh, uh, won that match. Right. Um, That's but, what the school's got him. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, um, you know, you bring up a great point that, you know, nobody's going to be, uh, uh, I hate to say it, nobody's going to be immune to this. Uh, That's a bad pun. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, all all three schools were affected uh, in Iowa this um, this weekend. Um, you know, Iowa State uh, didn't have uh, their match with Arizona State. Um, you and I went up to South Dakota State. We can talk about that duel, but Wyoming was supposed to be there. And there wasn't really enough for a duel, so they just had some extra matches uh, for the Cowboys. But uh, but really, um, all three schools kind of experienced how that uh, right. And, how that and then so. all three of the D one schools, and then uh, oh, I, obviously they just mentioned the D three schools. But it's just it's so disappointing that. You know, and, and on a personal level, it's even more disappointing. So, uh, you know, that, you know, here's a personally a son that my son that's, take, you know, taken a year of his life and kind of set it on hold. And now COVID's stepping its ugly foot back into the arena and, and uh, playing havoc with the, with that. So hopefully NCAA can, you know, has the tournament because that would be the third year in a row for D3, but we'll see. Now, one thing I'll, I'll mention, uh, take it with a grain of salt, uh, in our staff meeting uh, this week, uh, some of the staff members uh, uh, had uh, uh, socialized with some uh, Department of Health employees who said uh, some places uh, in the country are already hitting their peak. Um, 
and Iowa's usually about three weeks behind, so that'll be, you know, somewhere in February. I hope it really doesn't, you know, play a part some, uh, you know, like sectionals, districts, state. But by the time March comes around, uh, most most areas of the country should be past their their peak. So knock on wood, um, that occurs, you know, with the, the D3 tournament here in Cedar Rapids, uh, which will host. Um, and then in, uh, in Detroit, which is going to host the, uh, the D1 tournament as well. So, you know. Right. And I, and I will pass this along. I don't think you would mind. Um, I, I texted briefly with, with uh, Eric Keller, Coach Keller at Warburg, who mentioned that he was encouraged with what he had heard from Ryan Callahan, the fabulous trainer and, and interim athletic director, uh, not any longer, but was the interim athletic director at Warburg, that the talks were positive and, and they thought that this was going to wind down, like you said, at the end of January, the peak uh, uh, of this, the, this uh, round of, uh, of the COVID. But uh, anyway, so that was encouraging for me to hear. But I won't, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I will, I have to say this. I, I, I had a fear that as soon as the national championship football game was over, now that NCAA might have an opportunity to cancel some, you know, now that they've made their money, <laughs> they yeah. just, they're, you know, uh, but hopefully, you know, their big one is their basketball too. They don't want to lose that. But. Yeah. So hopefully uh, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, and we don't have a repeat in 2020. And I don't think we, I don't think we will. I'm being optimistic. So hopefully uh, things keep going and we don't have any repeats of the past past two years for, for those Division three uh, uh, programs. Uh, any, any final thoughts, Briggsy, uh, before we call the call the podcast? No, uh, apologize for the technical glitch early on and had to think on our feet here and go a different direction, but uh, technically with the Zoom, but uh, good to go. And uh, can't wait to see the results this week. Yep. And, uh, right, you got to make adjustments, right, no matter what you're doing. In a match, in life, you make adjustments and go forward, right? Right. All right. Well, hey, thanks for watching, everybody. We appreciate you tuning in and uh, giving us a platform to talk wrestling uh, together and with you. Uh, with that being said, thanks for watching. And, Bricky, why don't you take us out? Let's keep wrestling on the move.